This is episode 110 of Reconcile the Isle. What on earth is going on? Rocket Man. Puerto Rico. Russia, 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 Russia. Eight accusers. Several allegations. Thousands of cases. Charlottesville. Horrific shooting. Deadly school shooting. The third deadly mass shooting in a week. Category four. California wildfires. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. Government shutdown. I've never seen this country divided like this. This is astounding to me. Reconcile the Isle. Welcome to Reconcile the Isle, where my characters and I are figuring out how we can have meaningful dialogue about difficult topics. My name is Lauren Lojudice. Today we're welcoming back, actually, our first two-peter special guest, Dr. Daniel Holtz. Daniel Holtz is a postdoctoral fellow at Oregon State University Center for Humanities. As a historian of U.S. political culture, intellectual history, and U.S. foreign policy, Dr. Holtz focuses on conservatism and white supremacy in the 19th and 20th centuries. She is currently working on a book manuscript about racial nationalism and American politics based on her dissertation, Who Are the Two Conservatives? A Critical History of American Conservatism in the 19th Century. She received a Ph.D. in history from the University of Pennsylvania in 2017. She also served as the assistant editor for the Oxford Encyclopedia of American Military and Diplomatic History, published in 2013. If you're trying to figure out how we can convince people who just won't freaking listen about this corona epidemic and how to take this seriously, then this episode is for you. I definitely have some inappropriate, socially unaccessible ideas about how to deal with this, but we're in a crisis and we're just spitballing ideas. It's a really fun, freewheeling conversation between Danny and I, and as usual, she brings it home with some such a solid perspective. Now stay around until the end to hear about this episode's giveaway. And you can also sign up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get the link to all the wonderful things that my podcast guests and I give away for free to subscribers. And you'll also get reminders when we publish this every other week. Today, I'm going to do the interview. Um, My co-host, Melania Trump, is actually quarantined in her glam room. Uh, It's a a room that actually exists in the White House that she converted. It it really exists. It, It really does. She sent us, though, this voice memo with an update. Hi, fans. And here's an update from the White House. Social distancing and not working has helped ordinary Americans experience how I live. Mike Pence just gave all his money to Joel Osteen, who said that that would make the virus die. Oh, and my doctor sent in my Botox shots and a lazy Susan, and I had to do them myself. Now I can't move my face. All right, well, good luck with that, Melania. Uh, Have fun not moving your face in your glam room by yourself. Um, Just keep listening in and giving us updates. And by the way, Milani is updating everyone on, on what's going on in the White House. Um, you can see it on my social and at themelaniashow.com. So let's go to the interview with Dr. Daniel Holtz. Hello, Dr. Holtz, and welcome back to Reconcile the Isle. Hi, how have you been? How's your life? Well, we're in the midst of the corona epidemic, and we both have spoken about how some people just ain't listening about how serious this is. So we were going to have a conversation about that. Yeah. 
Now, who are the people, who are the groups who are right now who are tending to kind of just not really pay attention to what the warnings? Okay, so there's several groups. So I was just outside for my daily constitutional, uh, <laughs> social di socially distant daily constitutional, keeping the like requisite six feet between me and all other human people, that kind of thing. And I saw a bunch of groups of people. So like runners are not paying attention to where they're running or who they're running into or towards. That's not acceptable. Oh, and they're still. Like, Canting up, up against the back of my neck as you run past me and you're like sweat spittles and stuff. I don't want that. I know that the likelihood of being infected that way is not enormous, but that's just gross. I don't want that anyway. Pay attention to where you're running. Second group, we're like, young millennials, very young millennials, and old Gen Z, that like teen, mm -hmm. oh. early 20s group. You can't keep me inside, I'm going out. I think they're feeling more confident. They don't know that actually the infection rate for people their age, that they can get infected, that it can be serious, that they can die from it. They're not immune from dying from coronavirus. There have been people there was a, mm. a one-year-old who got coronavirus, right? So children are not immune. Young people are not immune. You can get it. And the best case is that you, uh, best case you don't get it. But if you're that age and you get it and you're not symptomatic, the worst case is that you spread it to people unknowingly. Like friends of yours that are immunosuppressed or your parents or their parents or your mailman. And that would be terrible if mm. you kind of grab life by the long hairs and murdered some people. Um, oh, and then don't give a fuck boomers who are just like, I'm old, I'm gonna walk around, I don't care. Oh, are you here? Are you in my, are you walking? I don't care. I'm gonna walk right on top of you. And you're like, I don't wanna kill you, boomer. I don't think I have coronavirus, but I don't know, people often are asymptomatic. Stay away from me, I'm just going for my daily constitutional. I got up to Rittenhouse Square. And then we just saw like a sea of people and it reminded me of San Francisco over the weekend. I think it was um, Dr. Sanjay Gupta on Jake Tapper maybe, just lost his shit at a photo of a bunch of people in San Francisco just like crowded around on the walk. And because they're not distant, people are like, Philly is, needs to get on top of their shit because just like the US, is a little lag behind Italy. Philly's just a slight lag behind San Francisco. If we want to look at a similarly sized city, mm. a similarly yeah. just before us problem. And they're on lockdown right now. If we're not smarter, we're going to be shelter in place. And that is less enjoyable than going for my daily walk and judging people, which I like. <laughs> well, that's the thing. You've actually been onto the data for weeks and been preparing for what's coming up. I think since maybe since I saw you last in person. Yeah. And they had you over when Vanessa was here too. And I was like, guys, this shit is serious. That was the end of February. It was really, it was when the cruise line, the first cruise line where people got sick, the first people got infected on that cruise line. Mm. Was the first time it was out of China. And it was like two or three people. And I just turned to crack and I was like, this is going to be a pandemic. We are not prepared for this. So the information hasn't been readily available for everyone. And why is that? Okay, so you're right. Sorry, I was just gonna be like, but it has been because the internet. Yeah. Like taught how to use the internet and taught what sources are good and who to trust. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, so we've talked about media bubbles before. 
So there's this thing called the Sinclair Broadcasting Group. It's a very conservative media group, and it owns large swaths of media. That combined with the death of the net or the suppression of the net neutrality laws means that there are parts of the country with really slow internet access where companies have bought, basically bought the ability to have faster bandwidth to get on top, right? So they were in this actual bubble of news and then the algorithms and Facebook and Google both compound this. Oh, also YouTube, right? So if you're watching yeah. like conspiracy theory stuff or really like deep, even if you're like start watching Fox News, it can lead you down to increasingly right-wing material. Um, it just gives you more of what it thinks you want. It's not just more of what it thinks you want. It actually, there's been studies, it gives you more extreme stuff because that drives you to watch more and experience more advertising, right? So like, it's like Facebook. They're not actually, they pretend like they're agnostic or like they're kind of like, they're like that um, deist God, you know, from the revolutionary era who just kind of like did his shit at the beginning and then was like, whatever. Mark Zuckerberg's like, I did my shit at the beginning, you know? And then I'm like, I, don't, I can't, I don't care anymore. It, doesn't, it just happens. It's just free speech, but actually YouTube and Facebook alike, their algorithms actually produce like more and more extreme content in your face because that more extreme and more upsetting is actually what gets you to stay on longer. It's more, it's a more addictive feeling. And then they turn on the television and then they're not getting, when they watch local news, which a lot of people watch local news and rely on it because they find it more trustworthy. This is like my local station. And then they're not getting the information there because in the conservative media, it was just a cold until like a week. Yeah. Yeah. Newscasters are like given scripts. There've been a whole bunch of stories about this for years and years. It's not newscasters are given scripts and forced to toe the party line in these, in these media outlets. They're not allowed to deliver information that is outside what they're prescribed to deliver. Right. So, and and then on top of that, like huge media corporations, Murdoch buying out small papers Mm -hmm. and and just kind of the, we, we treat capitalism like it's this kind of magical force and like, it'll be naturally ethical and you don't have to go about protecting things like local newspapers, but local newspapers are a public good. Like the internet is a public good information is a public good. So, you know, probably the public, meaning in our case, the state, should supplement that, not just public broadcasting. In our history, the United States government gave up the rights to the radio, to television, and now it's done on the internet. There's no reason. Those things are, they actually do belong to the people. Because now it's happened, certain interest groups have bought up all of those. So someone, yeah. they go on YouTube, they're feeding you more extreme stuff. Then you turn on the television, it's giving you that another message, conservative message, wrong information, especially with the coronavirus now we're talking yeah, about. It's not just wrong information, right? They're using like the Soviet agitprop model. It's purposeful misinformation. And they don't mm. necessarily care if you are... They don't care what the outcome is necessarily. What they care about is they're creating confusion and they're lessening your trust in people who are not you. Right? They're lessening your trust in experts. They're lessening your trust in the production of knowledge in general. They're lessening your perception of a single unified reality. Your reality becomes whatever they dictate it to be. And they've already told you that they don't care about reality or they don't care about truth. Who is it? Um, Gingrich 
way back in the early days, right before me, right after the election, I can't remember, was on with some journalist. And he was like, basically, he was like, reality doesn't matter. Like, whatever I say is what is true, which is, poli- to him, is politics, right? It's just spin. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, I create the reality. And that's what they're doing. They're creating a reality and they're making it destabilized in that system of thought so that people can't ever hit a point where they can critically judge it. To have a a critical reflection on something, right? We talk a lot about critical thought in higher ed. To have critical Mm -hmm. thought, you have to have a single position point and then understand what that system is. And then you have to be able to step outside of it and look back into it. So like for our students, for example, we'll teach them Marxist theory, right? And then we give them reflective tools to look back and critique it. Or we teach them about the history of capitalism and teaching it as a history itself is a thing that helps you provide with reflective tools to look back at it. And they're they're denying people that capacity because they're saying that the reflective tools and the people who have them, that critical thought itself, critical thought is is the opposition action. Yeah, what is Rush Limbaugh was quoted as saying, you never need to listen on his radio show when he was going off. And he said something to like, you never need to listen or read another newspaper again. I'll read it for you. I'll interpret it. And it's like, that's exactly what they want. You do not ever read the facts to ever have to like, and they, I mean, they, I'm talking about like conservative thinkers and activists, if you can call it that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, conservative party poopers. <laughs> what do you call them? I don't know who are like because I hate using the word they. Okay, because they just they, about they, a very large movement. We're talking about the right wing. It's a right wing. It's a movement, and like, how can we describe the movement? Like, what is party poopers, haters, haterade? I don't know. I don't know. Here's the thing: I've been trying to think through. I think we spend a lot of time focused on this group of people. And I get it because I, I study them for a living. But then you do end up doing a lot of they, them. And I don't want this conversation to be about that because we're in a moment right now where we can talk about how conservatism has created this crisis. And that's an important thing to note. But I think a lot about what Sarah Silverman said, which is she hates the liars and not the lied to, right? Mm-hmm. Like Senator Burr, who allegedly found out about the outbreak and not only sold his stocks, but also told a bunch of businessmen in a private meeting that they were gonna have to start paying attention and stop traveling and take care of their shit, right? And he did that while he was still publicly denying this was gonna be a major problem. We need to call those people out, but then there's also the lie too. And ooh, and this is really important too, because right now, if we solely demonize, and we don't think of it as a community crisis. If, this, if we have a pandemic right now, right? It's actually a dual pandemic. Uh, I'm going to go so 19th century on you right now. Well, the one part of that pandemic is real. It is this COVID-19 virus. And the other is conservatism, which is actually creating the conditions for COVID-19 to kill people. It's, it's almost like um, an, an immunosuppressive virus. And the problem with it is... I mean, many folds. But the real issue that I see is we need to protect people also on the individual level. So those of us who have family members, especially 
or acquaintances or friends who are in this bubble, it is also incumbent on us to do that act, to reach out to them, to make sure that they have some good news sources, that they're checking in with the WHO or the CDC or Johns Hopkins websites to talk to them. There's been this kind of abdication of that role for, for some understandable reasons, but that you, you can't do that anymore. We can't um, allow for certain sectors of our population to pretend like we're not being literally murdered by a virus that's killing us all. Uh, look, I cannot understand getting to the babies in cages phase and still advocating for people who support that. That's not a thing I understand. And luckily in my immediate family, it's not a thing I have to deal with or my extended family. But we've created this kind of detente in some ways or distance. I mean, an actual distance with our families. When we talk about social distancing with those parts, those people, we've already been doing that. Yeah. Right? So, that's actually the thing that's creating the problem for them right now. They're going to die. And I, I think about this every time I think about revolutions. We want the system to change. But a destructive virus, like a literal virus, that's gonna, it's going to kill a lot of people. I don't think people understand how many people we're going to have to bury before this thing is over. So the system's going to crumble no matter what. We have to start thinking about what we want to build. And so we can talk about the destructiveness of conservatism. It's incredibly important also because it's following the um, Al-Qaeda model. It's going online. White supremacy is going to be really spreading. It's where it's, it's, it's modeled to spread this way. It has been for decades. So that's going to be really important. They're not going to be in the streets right now. They're going to be behind their computers. And they're going to be being radicalized where they can't be seen by other people and where they're not spending time with people, they're being radicalized to want to ethically cleanse. So now we all might know some people in these, in these media bubbles. And the question is like, how do we talk to them? Obviously giving them good news sources. Um, but if we know people like blatantly taking risks and not, not taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. And there's still a spectrum, a small spectrum, but a yeah. spectrum of acceptable behavior. So like you can go for a walk still in Philly. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, to defend, and that's what hopefully whenever we get to go on tour the Melania Trump Roadshow, like part of what we're doing is we're going to like the blue dots in the red states. And because they exist, there are progressive people who are... Most states are 50-50. Yeah, yeah. But not their legislation. It's voting and gerrymandering. Voting, I'm like all about the voting right now because that's another thing that's going to get suppressed real fast. Yes. And so we're already like talking about ways to get, make sure people get to the polls and, and, and trying to empower people to do that. Like that's like the whole point of the show. It's like a voter pep rally. And we, we always want to like when we're, we go out on tour, like one of the things we're going to be doing is like taking video and hopefully doing some interviews with people being like, hey, everyone, progressives exist in the middle of a country. <laughs> It's not just farmland and people with like guns shooting other people. It's like, that's not what it is. Do we have to get angry? I mean, some people have to get angry. Some people, I don't know, like my family yells, like we yell, like we only respond to yell. (laughs) Some people might have um, maybe like a yelling family. And so you have to kind of like, what I do is I like yell too, but in like a controlled way. I'll say like, if you... If I see you leave your house, I'm going to have to come over there and break your legs. So I'm sorry. That's going to have to happen. <laughs> but, but my family is yeah. How would you like convince people in your old neighborhood to not leave the house? 
I picture those people as maybe people who would not leave the house. You would not like listen, maybe not listen to me, for example. Yes. So the, so the only way, and it shows that it shows caring. So if you have a family that like likes you, it shows just keep with the theme. Don't try to get with like, look at the John Hopkins website. Like they're not, <laughs> not going to work. It's so good. another time. Your listeners should go to the Johns Hopkins website. The, everyone should go to the John very Hopkins le- website. Yes. Very good resource. But like, I guess one thing would be like to stay in the theme of what they listen to. So like if they're yellows, you got to yell. So you got to say and speak in the language. Like I'm going to come over. I'm going to board up your house. I don't care if you starve. I'm going to, you're not getting killed by this Corona. I will airdrop stuff. You come out, I'll be waiting with a baseball bat and a mask. Like you got to like speak, stay in the theme. And so, you know, if you're, you're a gun-toting family. Maybe it's like I'm gonna w- I'm gonna have a shotgun aimed at the door, and if you come out, <laughs> something. A lot of threats, which I feel like maybe thematic from some of the stories. I've heard. It's totally problematic. This is so problem. This is a crisis. <laughs> no, but I wonder. But is there? Does that mean that there's there's no way to convince people anymore? Well, I think it's sometimes like people are like, so for instance, if like people communicate through yelling and anger a lot, then you stay in the theme because it's what they understand and it shows you care about them. Interesting. You're not actually going to like go break anyone's leg, but it shows like you're so upset and you don't have to be like upset about it. You don't have to be screaming out of control. You could just say like, that's what I'm going to do. And especially if you're the progressive black sheep in the family, if you call your gun toting NRA family and you're like, I'm going to come there and grab my old shotgun and I'm going to kill you if you leave your house. They're going to be like, oh, she can't. Well, what if they're pro-gun people because they've been terrorized by people with guns? What if non-gun people? No, I, I just, I'm just being hyper-specific. Never mind. There, because there are people who are gun owners because they have been terrorized. Terrorized. So then that's a different person, right? So then that's a different thing. If they're afraid, then say, well, like, you know... I don't know if they're, but you have to say whatever, whatever, I guess, if they're sensitive, then it would be more like, you know, you don't want to ever, they're guilty. Oh, no, I know, I know. Craig, I heard this the other day. If you want to own the libs, the the libs are trying to um, sensationalize this so you don't believe it, so you go out and get sick. The way to own the libs is to stay home. Yeah. Drink soup. Yeah. Chicken soup totally owns the libs. That'd be like chickens. <laughs> be like, okay, you're gonna spite me you, by you getting what, sick. You know what those elites would hate? <laughs> they would hate if you survived this pandemic. So just like spite us home. Yeah. I don't understand it. Also, like I just don't understand in the media how the liberals are both always like like these super sneaky, amazing, brilliant masterminds, and then also like the Democratic Party. Well, isn't that also <laughs> the, like, at the same time? They can't both be true. Well, that's about destabilizing and never having a truth. You don't know what's what. Everyone is, and it's escape. What people do with scapegoats too? It's yeah. But you know, like some people, like you can have guilt if you have a guilty family. You could just say like guilty people, like guilty kids, be like. If you give your mother coronavirus, you will have to live for the rest of your life. You're going to tell your nieces and nephews. But the realization that you killed your mom. That's another one. That's another one for the kids. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the kids want to have spring break, you know, that those kids, you want to you drink, it might be your last drink. Did the governor shut that shit down? I think they shut that shit down, right? Assholes. <laughs> That's an asshole. Mode. I don't care about the coronavirus, man, because I'm young. My life is now. I've got to live it. I don't care if I accidentally like, cut short other people's lives because it's my. That is like that is some privilege shit. That's like people are like, you know, I could buy. I just. I don't care who dies making my shit. Those are people who won't be bankrupt because they go to the doctor. They won't be bankrupt because they. Don't yeah, I mean, those yeah, are people, people who are wealthy. They're like, oh, whatever. So what are, and my other question is like, what are people in states that don't have a safety net going to do? Well, fucking no, they're going to die. I mean, it's a problem. Idaho, their healthcare system is not excellent. Their hospital system is notoriously bad in the outer reaches. I don't know about Boise. And are they going to turn, if you don't have health insurance, can you go to the doctor for Corona? I mean, that's the question. I think there was a discussion last week and the answer is yes, it will be covered. Or the test will be covered. But I don't know if they said it would be, I think they said it would be covered no matter if you're insured or uninsured, but they didn't say anything about treatment, although we're not going to have treatment for a long time. So yeah. yeah, I don't know if that's been determined yet. There's been a lot of, when it comes to coverage, like I have a lot of firm details on how pandemic spread and or firm database predictions on what's going to happen next based on what's happened historically um, and what very smart data-driven scientists have said. But I can't really, I have no idea. I mean, honestly, so much of the legislation they've suggested and already mm-hmm. put through, it's very pro-business but pro and, and anti-poor people it's already very much in, in terms of taking the load off the economy and the market as the primary markers of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's putting people last over and over and over again. So one day it was Dr. Fauci, I who it was, maybe it Pence. Someone in some presser said that it would be covered, the test would be covered. But who knows what's actually going to happen? I mean, they're letting all of these industries private industries determine what the cost of things will be. Um, so um, FDR's New Deal funded the polio vaccine. Um, mm. And when it was finished, um, Dr. Sachs, he donated it to the public. This is the pu- publicly funded vaccine. It's like, so it belongs mm. to them. Which is how it should be. Also because if the government is gonna fund your research, then the people should own your product. This shit happens all the time. Government funds a ton of research that then becomes privatized. That's just government funding private business that is welfare or businesses, right? So a lot of what we're gonna see right now is welfare for businesses, I worry. And insurance industries have notoriously stronger pulls on government. So I don't know. I think I know of a way to make it, we can start a, a bunch of people should make videos like this. This is my proposal. Young people, like we need to get like the two-year-olds, like the three-year-olds, four or fives that are learning to speak and are very cute uh-huh. to say, like make videos and their little like cute voices being like, grandma, don't go outside. You're going to kill me. And then you need to have the old people being like, please, young people, you're going to kill us. Like, you're going to kill us. 
don't go outside. The spring breakers be like, woohoo! Yeah, yeah, the spring breakers be like, hey, grandpa! <laughs> be like, someone needs to just toss them in the ocean and <laughs> never to be seen again. They're just mean. But that's callous to just be All like, all of your shit ends in violence. It, I know, I'm Italian. I know. I'm a sister. I got the sister. I love you anyway. <laughs> But anyway, least, from the violence, not anyway. From the not the guy, but that's just joke and jest. I don't mean that, obviously. <laughs> just very angering when people are doing things against so brazenly and bragging about it. That's like I'm killing people. Woo! Like uh. so, but the the young and the old is like using that. Like I would be moved to see an older person talking about it. You know? Yeah. That could be something that could be good. Especially the little baby ones too. That's that's that everyone reacts to babies. You're like, oh. I have a bunch of friends who are our age. They're in their thirties. Yeah. They have immunosuppression. They have like, I have a friend who had a pulmonary embolism, so one of her lungs is basically not functional. That some of them survive cancer, right? Like, wow. I have, uh, I have a friend who has type one diabetes. I have a lot of friends who are yeah. immuno. You how you do too. Like, we know yeah. people in the immunosuppressed category. So, like, you might see a person on the street and think to yourself, well, like, that's a young person who would survive yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. matter. But it's not just old people. And also, the, the thing is this. The question isn't who's going to die or not, right? The reason that this is urgent, desperately urgent right now, is we're in a small window where we can slow the spread of the disease and our cases won't outmatch the number of respirators we have to keep people breathing. Because what is gonna happen that is dire and what's already happened in Italy is people are gonna have to start choosing who's gonna live and who's gonna die, who's gonna put on a respirator and who's not. And it's gonna be all about money. I mean, that's gonna be the first term. Well, use. Yeah, so like, yeah, wealthy like celebrities and then- sure, like, I mean, you can be you're 95. Like, well, if you're a young mother, you're gonna get the respirator. But like, this is also part of old people stay home right now. <laughs> home home wash your hands get your groceries delivered if you can have friends and find people also young people give your phone numbers to your neighbors support people in your community ask them if they need you to go grocery shopping for them and drop their groceries off at their front door like set up support for people so that they have it before they need it just like stay home and socially isolate before it's a problem if you do the work at the start if you yeah. get the, like if you get your kind of who needs you um who's most at risk who's most at risk also in terms of mental health right yeah make a list of people and make sure to contact them regularly checking in with people right now is so important just making sure that people that you have in your sphere have what they need and your sphere isn't just your family and friends it's the people who live in your community too Kids aren't getting school lunches. So like mm -hmm. local food banks are going to be doing a lot of work. And mm -hmm. we're going to have to start having conversations about long-term solutions because I'm not positive we're going to have school in the fall. We need to start thinking about how to get children food and how to stop making the school system do so much labor that the state could also help do outside of the school system. Mm -hmm. Like feeding these kids should never be contingent of them showing up at a building with a whole bunch of other people unless it can also be done when they're not in school. I mean, it's just, it's its own tragedy. And that's kind of also the under, unforeseen or, or under-discussed um, fallout of this, right? Like all your friends who are 
I have a friend who's going through treatment right now and um, I think about her every day for, for cancer. And I just, that's already terrifying. And then how do you go into a hospital and get treatment or go to your doctor and get your treatment? Especially if there are like a ton of people milling around. How do you get from your car into the treatment center without being exposed? Mm-hmm. And how much worse are their prognoses going to be because we're in such a time of stress? Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time. There are all these people out there who are already in incredibly precarious situations and that it's this moment, this crisis, this kind of like imminent trauma that shuts people off to those needs and they're the people who are going to die first and they're going to die silently. There's not going to be fanfare because they're not one of the numbers of this particular pandemic. So paying attention right now. I know, like, I feel like this is all I say all the time now. Pay attention. Pay attention to... A bunch of different news sources, find credible ones, make sure you're being told true things. Good sources, make sure you have good sources, double check your information, there's a lot of misinformation, and there's a lot of different ideas about what might work and what might not. So having a couple different sources that are trustworthy, that's essential. The second is stay connected. Pay attention to the people in your life, pay attention to the people in your community. Third is pay attention to what's happening in government. Now is the time where Trump's going to pardon Flynn and the Republicans are trying to give as much money to big business as they can and uh, screw over poor people as much as they can. And the Democrats are not going to be as strong fighting back as you ever want them to be because also they have a lot of business interests. So watch what the government is doing. I'm not both sides is here. Watch what the Republican Party is doing. The other thing to watch out for is pay attention This is to everyone. If you have a kid or a cousin or a friend who starts espousing stuff that sounds like far right or white supremacist talking points, just like you would talk to them about COVID-19, talk to them about white supremacy. In fact, everyone, talk to your family about white supremacy. Mm-hmm. It is dangerous and it can infect your family if you are a white person. Sometimes it can infect your family even if you're not because that's how systemic racism and internalized oppression works. Yeah, and Life After Hate, who's been a, who was a guest last okay. week. Yes. They're a great resource. Yeah. yeah. They'll be in, and there'll be part two's coming soon. So, yeah. yeah. Listen to that. Listen to Lauren's podcast. <sighs> and the last thing to watch for is the judiciary. Now is going to be the time when court cases are thrown out. One of the Mueller cases was just thrown out. One of the Congress cases about the, the Trump's taxes has been sidelined until after they mm-hmm. find out if um, McGahn can testify, uh, can testify. So there's going to be a lot happening in the courts with things being kind of like, just like shunted to the mm-hmm. side, like brushed under the rug. Pay attention. Pay attention to your voting rights, especially. Pay attention to elections. Make sure they happen. It's not time to cancel election, put on hold an election. And as someone who lived in New York under Giuliani on 9-11, that man tried to pull this too. That's what they do. There's a crisis and we should come together. But also we need to have elections. Yeah. Because that's, that's part of how we protect ourselves. It's an inoculation against future crisis. Thank you, Dr. Danny Holtz. You are a treasure for us and always very helpful to give us some insight. And um. We're going to see how this unfolds and then have you back again to talk a little bit more, I hope. I I care about you very deeply. I care. I care so much. And and thank you for the work you're continuing to do amongst this. Um, And they can find you, I believe, at Twitter at? At Danny Holtz. Okay. Great. Danny Holtz.
Great. Danny Holtz. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Danny. And we'll have you back. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Listen, take care of yourself. Be aware. Be helpful. Do what you can. This is the time to love your neighbor, even if they piss you off every other day besides the pandemic. Let me know how it's going and what we can do for you. Now, before we go on to the I Don't Care Do You segment, I'd like to do two things. First, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It really, really, truly, truly, truly helps other people find us. Second, you can go follow Reconcile the Isle on my Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Logi. L-O-G-I. And do consider signing up at laurenlogie.com slash podcast to get the free stuff from me and my guests. This episode, I'm going to put on the podcast VIP page links of resources for you. All of the really good things that I've been finding around the internet, um, compendium of resources for different needs. And if you have anything you'd like me to add to it, just let me know. Just email me, DM me, whatever it is, tweet me and I will put it up on the list. Now, while you're on my website, you'll also find out about other things going on. Obviously, my book, Inside Melania, What I Learned About Melania Trump by Impersonating Her, um, is coming out whenever presses open to print it. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's really a thing. And if you get this before Friday, go on my Instagram because we're doing a fun little giveaway there. Listen, we have to learn how to have public dialogue again. The world's on fire. People are sick. And we've got to talk about it. And there is no better way to understand the importance of needing to talk about important issues than reading the headlines. So I asked Melania, she couldn't come today because she's quarantined, but I asked her to voice note us some of the top headlines for the I Don't Care Do You segment. Oh, sorry. This is coming late, Lauren. I just spent two hours trying to dodge Donald's fart cloud. Oh, that thing moves fast. Okay, so here are all the things that I don't care to you about. There is a shortage of nurses because of this public health crisis. The Olympics were just postponed because of the same. And award-winning playwright Terence McNally died from coronavirus complications, along with many others. But <laughs> I don't care, do you? Thank you to everyone who has made this podcast possible. Thank you to Sophia Reyes-Jones for editing, to Devin Edwards for creating the intro, Manny McLennan for making the podcast art, and a shout out to Alan Waters, Danny Holtz, and Craig Franson who helped me to conceptualize this podcast. And of course, thank you to Dr. Daniel Holtz for being such a wonderful guest. See you in two weeks. <laughs>